0: We almost didn't get together. A little love story for Valentine's Day. Thank you for listening to this essay that I originally wrote on Valentine's Day in 2023. Uh, My name is Janelle Holden. I'm a writer who writes essays on Substack. You can read me at janelleholden.substack.com. And I usually publish those on here as a voiceover and podcast as well. So if you'd like to read more and get some perks for being a free or paid subscriber, go to JanelleHolden.substack.com. Without further ado, here's my love story. I fell in love with Doug in the year 2000. It was the year of Y2K. Remember? Remember? the start of a new millennium. At the time, I flaunted all of the Y2K warnings and convinced my roommates in Ann Arbor to fly to Banff National Park with me for New Year's Eve, where we went dog sledding. Folks, I can't make this stuff up. We stayed in a hostel in Banff, walked in the torch parade on New Year's Eve, and flew wildly down the mountain on cross-country skis. I'm not sure what was more terrifying, dog sledding or cross-country skiing on a slope meant for downhill skiing. I had great friends, but no one to kiss as we watched the fireworks go off. Meanwhile, Doug, my now husband, headed to Utah, to Monument Valley, where he slept under the stars, alone in the desert. Neither of us had any inkling the other person existed at the time. That same May, I got in my car and drove 1,600 miles west. I had been offered a job as a reporter, sight unseen on both sides, at a small newspaper in southwestern Colorado. I remember crying when I saw the Rocky Mountains again. I miss the west. My editor offered to put me up in a hotel while I found a place to live. I stayed for two nights at the Hampton Inn with views of Mesa Verde National Park, and then left to tent camp at a state park with a beautiful reservoir. Why I decided to leave a comfortable bed and a shower that was paid for me, I'm not really sure, except that I felt cooped up and needed to feel free again. I'd roll out of my sleeping bag in the morning, half frozen, and then catch a shower at a local gym before heading into work. Once I got there, my job was to write articles about what was happening on the region's public lands, Their forests, parks, and deserts. This meant covering the wackos, I can say this now, who were protesting the establishment of a new national monument meant to protect ancient artifacts in the desert. Hillary Clinton had just visited the area when the monument was dedicated. Crazy conspiracy that the United Nations was somehow involved were being floated at every public meeting. Naysayers put up billboards at each of the entrances to town that were crudely painted with, No National Monument! It looked like a kindergartner's rendition of a protest sign. Each day I'd drive by on my way to work and wish I had the nerve to get up in the middle of the night with a ladder and a gallon of red paint and add a W and an exclamation point and an A so that it read, now, a national monument. It would have been my tribute to Edward Abbey. But I was too interested in keeping my job. Meanwhile, Doug had just ended a stressful year teaching unruly 7th graders earth science. He had one set of classroom science books to teach with and wrote most of the curriculum himself, nothing to send home with kids to study at night. And frequently kids who did take books home from school would end up getting bullied and beat up on the bus for being too interested in school. He was looking forward to a summer break without kids when I drove up to his log house, intent on renting an apartment from the landlord that he rented from, too. One can only camp for so long before deciding that it's time to be more civilized. Doug's landlord had a small apartment available in town above a second-hand store called The Flying Pig. It was right on Main Street. Later, I would buy the most beautiful pair of shaggy white fur boots from that store and send them to my best friend to complete the Yeti look she was longing for. I loved The Flying Pig. Anyway, as I was pulling in to meet Doug's landlord, he spotted me and then asked her about me. She loved Doug and was just crazy enough to decide to play matchmaker. The next time I came over to sign the papers for my new apartment, she introduced us, handed us both a beer, and then told me, I need to go mow my garden. I'll be back in a little bit with the papers. With beers in hand, we watched her trudge across her yard, pull out a lawnmower from the shed, and proceed to mow over what looked like a fledgling vegetable garden. Strange, I said. Doug nodded. Awkward pause. So... What do you like to do? He asked me. He's been terribly embarrassed by this question ever since. I don't know why. I think I managed to tell him I like to hike and to fish. He left for New England to visit his family for the summer the next week. I went back to figuring out my new job and finding someone to carry up a used red velour couch with a daybed inside to my unfurnished upstairs apartment. This was before internet dating really took off and people could just swipe right. A few weeks later, I met a guy at the laundromat in town that also functioned as a pizzeria and a movie rental hotspot and a home for the family that ran it all. I went there as infrequently as I could. The owner carried a handgun tucked into the back of his underwear whenever he rang my movies up. But the guy I met at the laundromat invited me to a day at the Telluride Folk Festival and spent most of it severely ill in the porta-potties. He picked up a flu bug, couldn't drive me that home that evening, and I spent the night on his couch listening to him also be ill at home. He apologized all the way home the next day, and I think he was so embarrassed by it all that he couldn't get it together to call me again. Meanwhile, my best guy friend, the one everyone had said for years that I should be with forever, called me up and invited me to his sister's wedding in Denver as his date. I drove five hours each way, slept in his childhood room across the hall from him, helped set up the wedding, got to know his whole family, and thought it might finally be the moment he made his move. Only he didn't. I drove the entire way home, cursing every rom-com movie I had ever watched. At the end of the summer, I ran into Linda the Landlord, and she told me Doug had just come back. And I should call him. I should? I said. Yes, she said. He'd like to take you fly-fishing. Huh, I said, why hasn't he called me himself? I'll tell him to, she said, and then hung up before I could say no. I had fly fishing equipment in my closet that hadn't been touched. It was my romantic intention to learn how to do it after watching A River Runs Through It and reading the book by Norman McLean. I felt like it was something every Montanan should know how to do, but I didn't know how to do it. Meanwhile, she told Doug that I could teach him to sing. He played guitar like a dream, but was embarrassed by his voice and legitimately wanted to learn. She knew that to make a few extra bucks, I had advertised voice and piano lessons in the paper. I taught a few kids after school and paid for my infrequent trips to the laundromat. Doug decided to call me and we officially agreed to swap lessons. He'd teach me how to fish. I'd teach him how to sing. Of the two of us, he was far and away a better teacher. I fell off the piano bench a few times laughing at him. Somehow he forgave me. He said it was love at first sight. I said it was love at first laugh. We started dating, and two years later we were married. It's been a few years since. I don't fish anymore. He still sings. We're moving to Portugal together. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you. May love win the day.